When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24 hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Eggert with us. When are you going back to work, man? I don't know. Laying around long <laughs> enough. Now, what are you doing? Get back to work. I am. Uh, I'm bored, but I can't. Do, like I do. Uh, if I'm out for like an hour, an hour and a half, I'm wiped. So I don't feel like I can go back to work yet. Yeah, I understand. I'm gonna milk it as long as I can. Stabilize your muscles. Once you get those developed, it's uh, <laughs> right. That's all you need. Right. I mean, uh, they told me to take as long as I need, so I, I will. 
So <laughs> well, you yeah, said I'll see you in 30 years. Not that waking up at 2 in the morning isn't a lovely experience. Yeah, believe me. You, I know you know. Well, yeah. I know you know. <laughs> I know you know. <laughs> Honest to God. So you'll just go back on your own timetable, which is a good thing, which I think yeah, that's nice. the Hubbard family is very good about stuff. Like They've been great. I mean, they I can't are. believe they. Uh, I've taken FMLA, and they don't technically. What is drug? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> it is really good, too. If you take two of them. And a Vicodin, you are, you are rolling. You're good to go. Um, okay. uh, so the Family Medical Leave Act or whatever it is, and they don't have to pay you when you take that time, but they oh. are. Oh, yeah. Which the, is the, great. The, 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 so. I remember we were talking about the, the FMLA thing. It's like new as of last year or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. what Dan has to take for paternity leave because they don't offer paternity FMLA. leave. Yeah. And you don't have to get paid. So yeah. the fact right. that they're paying me, it's great. They're being, they're being great about it. Mm. Very great about weeks. it. I'm going to make him take longer than that. Well, not if he's not making any money. I'd rather have him not make money and be home with our child. And I have a toddler running around, too. So oh, yeah. Bop, bop. That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Bop, bop. <laughs> she calls me Bop, bop. Oh, you. <laughs> oh, F- that's your name? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> FYI, we were reading the Berenstein Bears Christmas book, and every time Papa Bear was in on a page. Papa. Mm. She thinks I'm a she papa bear. She thinks that you're Papa Berenstein Bear and you really have a lot in common, I guess. <laughs> That's right, Drew. Bop, bop. But there's a seagull, or no, a pelican in one book that every single time she sees the pelican, Mama! I'm like, a pelican? A pelican is you, Mama? <laughs> Berenstein Bears, uh, I'm a kind of an aficionado with, with when we had our little kids. We don't do that anymore. They're 10 and 12. Oh, yeah. But Papa Bear is like old school grump. Yeah. Like he is. So she's got me nailed. I was going to say, well, she knows. Uh, I'm not saying there's some uh, similarities. I'm just saying, yeah. Grumpy Tom. <laughs> I, love the, I love Papa Bear. Oh, yeah. He's like, that's the way it should be. Yeah. You know, you've got a lot of good people over uh, over Channel 5 as well. Um, I run into Leah once in a while because mm-hmm. her parents live in my neighborhood. Okay. And she, I've all, she's been so pleasant always. Super nice. Just really, really nice person. But I think most of the people over there uh, at least the ones that I've met tend to be. It's the ego-less TV station I've ever worked for. I would. And I think I, I've, I, I agree with that. I've worked for probably six in the last 22, 23 years. And I would say Channel 5 is, you know, you got a bunch of people who are very talented, but uh, not a lot of ego at all, which is fantastic. No, I think that is it's true. the way it should be. I think it's absolutely true. <laughs> it was kind of funny because I... She was apparently visiting her parents, and she was out for a run one day, and I was out walking. Uh-huh. This is about three, four months ago, longer than that, whatever. And so she's running, and I, got, I said, God, it looks like Leah. And so she got to me and said, hey, Leah, how are you? And she was kind of like, she said, oh, hey, Tom, how are you? And she was kind of reluctant to talk to me. I realized just the day before that they had announced on Channel 5 that I was being sued. Oh, no. <laughs> she's like, I said, Lee, I, you know, I, I don't really blame that on you. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't worry about that. I, I understand right. that you don't pick the story. Right. But she was like, don't oh, kill I'm, the messenger. Oh, right. I'm sorry that I did that. I said, like, no, I don't worry about it. I get, it's every, you get sued a lot. I get sued a lot. He's used to it. I do. I get sued a lot. That's ah, just nothing. Yeah. No big deal. Well, at this point, it's true. Right? I yeah. was supposed to have a deposition yesterday to cancel it at the last minute. Oh, really? I love that. Oh, that's nice. I blame it on Michael Bryant. It's well, his that's a good reason to blame me. <laughs> <laughs> like none. All how's, right. your, how's your Facebook feed doing there, uh, by the way? Nothing? Too many things coming oh, okay. out of Because I'm still working. <laughs> you are working. That's true. 
Michael does a lot of great work with, uh, was it Jeff Anderson? Is that his name? Yep. Yeah, Jeff Anderson. Yeah, it's, we do a lot of Survivor stuff. And yep. Still yep. doing a lot of Survivor stuff. I don't know Jeff at all. No doubt about it. Yep. Well, it's kind of interesting, actually, that I've never met Jeff, but I never have. Yeah. Might, uh, I don't know. He's been interviewed, but not by you. He got interviewed by Bob, and he got interviewed by Ron. So, but now, I don't know he why. He hasn't been here to get interviewed. We should bring him in. Maybe I grew up Catholic, so I was too no, close to him. No, was... You guys are downtown St. <laughs> Paul, right? He is. Yeah, okay, he is. Yeah. I'm St. Cloud. Oh, and, you are? Okay. Uh, and then I have an office in Golden Valley. Okay, I interviewed a different attorney um, from Jeff Anderson in downtown. Mike um, Finnegan. Is that who it yeah, was? Probably Mike uh, and I was like, "Holy crap! This building is amazing." Oh, that building's amazing, and they're redoing that building. So that building's this, even going to be By the way, amazing. this building's amazing too. But it I, was like, I was like, I was like, I was like awestruck looking around the building the whole time. Oh yeah, we're here to talk about um, <laughs> sexual abuse and all the stuff. Church. But man, this is a cool place. <laughs> and all the stuff that Jeff has in there, like he has confessionals in there. Right? What is with the confessionals? It's just different stuff he's picked up over time. Well, lawyers are weird. Yeah, lawyers can't be. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're oh, weird. Yeah, we're the only group in the world that's weird. That's a great point. That is a great point. Radio people are right down the middle. All right, Chris, we got to start at the beginning. Yes. What this? First of all, we talked about the fact that you and another woman in your business both lost your lower leg at almost the exact same time. Oh yeah, yeah. What? what? Oh, you didn't hear about that? No. Isn't that amazing? What? So it's Courtney Godfrey from over right. at um, Channel Nine. Okay. And she lost hers in September, so she's a couple months ahead couple of me. Months. It was a boating uh, accident. It was a boating yeah. accident, yeah. and. Um, we've got, we've actually gotten together since all this happened a couple times now oh, okay. and hung out and kind of, you know, she's a couple months ahead of me. So it's nice to sort of know what, That's true. you know, what's next yep. in the process. Uh, a little bit different situation though, because I mean, hers was an accident. She didn't really have a choice in the matter. Right. Mm. And, um, the doctors advised her that if she wanted to have any kind of function left in her leg, um, that she should do a below what they call the BKA, so below knee amputation, mm. and that gives the prosthetic the ability to work, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the best of um, you know the best function it can do. So it can do everything. She can run again. She'll be able to essentially do everything that she's ever done before. Um, my situation's different because I had had a a, a long term struggle with my left foot that started like you know 30 years ago really and it sort of got fast-tracked within since august and i've been fighting an infection since august infection just wouldn't go away wouldn't go away we did three different surgeries and i was wearing a wound pump which is disgusting Uh, Uh, so i'm wearing this disgusting pump thing Like twenty four seven. Try try making a move on your wife when you got a you got pus running like, off your leg. Pus, oh pus pump on your leg. But she hung in there. She did. She she's did. A, she's, a, she, she's a battler. She loves me. I don't know why. Um, and the and I had an artificial joint also in my ankle. In your ankle. I yeah. had an ankle total ankle replacement a couple years ago, and apparently, if infection. Gets anywhere close to artificial joint. Artificial joints got to come out. Mm -hmm. And the options were to try to fix it. (laughs) Not good. So one of the options was take the artificial joint out, put some like block of plastic in there, and sew you up. 
and give you a pick line and basically have you administer your own antibiotics for eight weeks <sighs> while you're not doing anything and your foot doesn't work at all. Yeah. Um, and then if, if the infection leaves, they could take a cadaver bone, try to put it in because they can't put another artificial joint in on an ankle. You get one right. and that's it. So okay. one shot deal. Uh, put a rod up there and try to get it to come together and basically fuse your ankle. Oh, and it might not work. Yeah, fusing oh, ankle yeah. fusion yeah. is not. And if it doesn't work, then you're back in amputation anyway. Yep. Yeah. And the other idea was if they could keep keep working on getting. I had an open wound. This is so gross. <laughs> I had an, I had an open wound on my inside of my left ankle since August, like nonstop. Oh, really? That's why I had to have the. The did lovely that, wound back on. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, it hurt. I couldn't walk on it. I, you know, so the other option was to try to keep fighting the infection for as long as they can, see if they could get it to a point where they could do a skin graft and take a take about a, you know, seven by two foot um, or two inch chunk of out of my forearm <laughs> and then, by the look of it that did not happen no yeah. and then take that and put it over where the wound mm, was okay and if that and, and if that takes yeah but the ankle still wouldn't work yeah. so i was like you know what yeah let's just let's just get rid of it so yeah. what, start, it. what started it um well i i had a I don't know if it's a bit of an abnormality, but my left ankle tilted out okay. just a little bit. Um, and I was a active kid. I think I remember hurting it really bad the first time when I was about sixth grade. My stepdad was a big basketball coach over in South Dakota where I grew up. And we were at one of his basketball tournaments. And I got hurt jumping down the bleachers at the mm. tournament. So we ended up in the emergency room. And it kind of just went that way. Um, on through growing up, I played... Uh, high school basketball. I played college basketball. I also ran track in high school. Um, so I was beating it up the whole time. Right. And then when I got done playing, uh, you know, uh, I lost a lot of the function. And then I started going the surgery bit. So prior to my amputation, which was surgery number 10, I'd had nine Jeez. surgeries oh on, wow. on this foot. So and were they doing debridements when you were having the when you had the open wound? Yes. So they'd go in and they'd yeah. cut the they, skin out. They'd and, take the uh, stuff out. But it was like every time they went back in and did a culture, there was like another stupid bacteria growing yeah. in there. So did you have MRSA in there or what? I did not have MRSA. Okay. There's a couple other things yeah. that I can't pronounce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chlora, flora, 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 flora. So Very famous. What, as Very as famous. we all know. What are you going to get to replace it? Are you going to get a, a a leg or are you going to get like a flipper? Or? Well, <laughs> well, my friend wants me to get a snow shovel. A snow shovel? Um, <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah. So where is it amputated at? Uh, it's right below the knee. Yeah, right below oh, the right, knee. Okay. It's up here, yeah. so. It's oh, lucky. Knee's oh, right okay. here. Yeah. It's, it's like six inches below the okay. knee. Which still gives you the, does the knee work? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you still yeah. got that because that's yeah. a huge part of what yeah. they can yeah. do with yeah. that. Yeah, people who have above knee, mm -hmm. are, I mean, that's a whole oh, different yeah, deal. They look at this thing. as like a flesh wound, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, because like, like, it sucks not to be able to feel your feet, but it like it's like, you know, most of what feet do is passive. Right. Just, you know, yeah. when you're walking. Yes. But knees, yeah. knees yeah. are something you directly control. A whole different thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's a bunch of different options. I'm working um, with a group called the Hanger Clinic in town oh, here. Oh, yeah, yep. And... Um, it, you know, it sounds like 
you get like a temporary leg to start walking in and start learning how to walk again. And then eventually they fit you with what'll be your, your permanent leg. And then at that point, you know, um, you start working on uh, different legs for different things. You know, you want a running leg, you know, oh, like Oscar okay. Pistorius type thing. Right. Yeah, like oh, the springy. springy. Yeah. 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 You're going to get a sprongy deal? If, I, I think I'm a little bit old to actually be able to run anymore, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I feel like so? I want to try. <laughs> oh, I never man, understood why cool. it's shaped like that instead of – is it, like, more efficient? So technically, like, if humans had evolved to have – legs like that we'd be faster runners that's a good think, question well because it's bent if, i mean if you look at a cat's yeah. leg yeah it's like that it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. bent like a, a non uh non hominid leg yeah. i think it's a weight issue and then also an aerodynamic type mm-hmm. idea on it so all i know is they're like ridiculously expensive yeah. mm-hmm. they're like like thirty thousand dollars for oh, one yeah. of these things. Oh well, God. first off, they're made out of like you know medical grade everything, right? Yeah. And then and costume, completely costume. Yeah. And then like, you add in the markup for you know just anything medical, right? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know how soon it's going to be before I'm, I'm you know Blade Runner running down. Uh... You gotta just for your kids though. You gotta get like the pirate peg thing. The pirate peg. <laughs> yeah. Just for Halloween. You know, it's funny. The kids have been the biggest supporters of this uh, I'm thing. I'm sure. I'm sure. Because yeah. ever since, they've never known me to be, you know, I'm as active as I can be, but I've right. never been able to yeah. be like, right. you know, um, super active. You know, I can shoot hoops in the driveway, but I can't like, you know, I could never play, play with them. Right. And my son for the last, I had a surgery in August and he's 12. So of course he knows everything in the world yeah. because he's 12. God love him. <laughs> um, every time he go. Dad, why don't you just get a cut off? Really? Dad, why don't you just get cut off? So they're like, Dad, finally. Dad, finally. You, he goes, are you just going to get cut off? And that's all he said over and over and over. And then finally when I did it, he's like, I told you so. I've told been you. saying for months. We'll be back with Chris Egger, Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here with CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Great to have you here, Michael. Thanks, Tom. Always a pleasure to be with you. One thing we keep talking about is that North American Banking Company is a community bank. Why is that important? Well, two things. First, as a locally owned and operated bank, we move quickly for our customers when it matters most. You're not waiting for a loan decision to come out of state or making the decision right here at your home. Secondly, our customers appreciate the fact that we get to know them and understand their goals. For many of our customers, we're coaches, mentors, and sometimes sounding boards for their ideas. It's hard to get that from a big bank, but it's something we do just because it's Tuesday. Well, that sounds like a great way to do business. All of our employees are working to help meet your business needs. It's how we create loyalty. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today 
or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. told me to get my leg cut off now for no reason <laughs> you know following your kid's lead on the deal um obviously it's not going to affect your job because you don't do anything anyway <laughs> i don't just kind of sit there I and talk sit on my arse for a living <laughs> hey you both do that hey oh, uh a little bit different we were talking about courtney from channel nine yeah she's a field reporter mm. so for her it's a diff- whole different oh, deal yeah. because totally yeah. she's got to be out and about and she needs to be mobile otherwise you know i don't i don't leave the building all that often anymore yeah. i wish i could you know how it is it's god awful boring you know yes sitting in the same place day after day and hour after hour you know what they should do is just have like a single tank tread and then you know Replace the foot with that. That would be cool. Yeah. Then a you, tank dread? Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Sounds heavy. That'd yeah. be expensive. <laughs> so then you can just, uh, yeah, roll over any terrain. Well, no problem. I am open to all ideas about what we can do. <laughs> as long as you have a couple hundred thousand dollars to yeah, yeah. get it done. They haven't yeah. come forward with the paying you during the time off. This some kind of... <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, though. You're going to have a special... Uh, here's this leg you got to wear. <laughs> and these are the events you got to show up at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's here with his tank foot. <laughs> that period between when I was a, a child and now, as far as prosthetics are, are concerned, it's night and day. I a remember lot there were guys yeah. in my neighborhood that lost a limb, and it was like, I swear to God, it seemed like they had to swing the leg way out to even walk. Yeah. Right, right. I, was, they had to, I mean, it was like, let's take a step here and then swing this way out. Now you can't even tell if somebody has a prosthetic on. Right. No, well, you there can't. Well, there are people with, like, wouldn't you know would get basically cut a tree and yeah, yeah. yeah. they did they, they yeah. like handcrafted <laughs> right yeah. handcrafted them out of mm-hmm. out of wood which yeah. is insane when you it think really about is. how far it's come i mean my understanding is because of all the soldiers that have come back from iraq and afghanistan mm, yeah um and because they've gotten so much better as far as treating these guys in the field so they're able to survive and they come back and my understanding is is that the prosthetic industry because of that has had to yeah. really evolve sense. a lot too because these guys are coming back and they're you know they're big strong active guys yes. and mm-hmm. they don't want to have a you know a, a wooden leg yeah you can't do anything you know, ever they want to have the real deal or, or at least as close as they can get to it if, so yeah. it's also amazing. really advanced on weight you yeah. know, the, on how heavy stuff is. Right. You know, and right. it's been amazing what they've been able to do now versus what they could do 10 years ago. Right. It's true. You know? Yeah, there's so. no getting around that. Now, did, is it true that you did you have phantom pain? You know, it's funny that you bring that up. Yes. Really? And I have been having it. Um, and I really had it really bad two, well, three or four days ago. Um, and I guess it, it varies from everybody. And it can be a thing that can go on throughout. I mean, Forever, for some people That's who've what, lost yeah. a leg. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's pretty bad in the beginning for some people. Uh, um, Courtney, on the other hand, she said she had hardly n- no phantom pain. Really? She just had a lot of um, 
uh, muscle aches and um, spasms and stuff like that. But my it, it was the weirdest thing because it, it felt like my my foot and the bottom of my foot and my big toe were like burning and cramped up. Really? I mean, it felt like it. And then I'm sitting there looking at it and, I, and I'm <laughs> like, like I look and see and I'm like, not there. there's no foot there. <laughs> and um, you tell people Man. that and it's, I mean, it's the hardest thing to explain, yeah. but from my understanding is, so they take and, and when they, when they amputate the leg, the nerves, um, nerves grow, I guess, throughout your lifetime mm-hmm. or they can. So the nerves are very confused they kind of grow into this little bundle, and and so eventually they'll get to that kind of a, a, a bundle, and then some of that will stop. But right away, they're very confused because they, you know, you're feeling pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had one of my friends the other day. We were talking about phantom pain, and he kind of, God bless him, he kind of did this. He, he he goes, well, there's not really anything you can take for it because because I mean it's not real. And I and I kind of looked at him and I was like. Well, from the point of view of a lot of pain medicines, that's true because they work on the nerves. Right. But there's nothing for them to work on. Right. Because pain, well, all feeling really is, it's just basically a map of your body in your brain. Right. And once you have something amputated, that map is still there. Right. So what happens is the brain isn't getting the signals from where it thinks. So it amplifies that signal, kind of like when your foot falls asleep and it's like yes. it tries a lot harder to feel something from that limb. Hmm. Yeah, it'll amplify that signal over and over and it, you know, nothing will happen. So it just keeps on doing it to the point where uh, it creates a sensation out of nothing, like amplifying um, uh, audio too much. You get that static. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a perfect explanation Which, for it. But when my friend said that, I was... I mean, I like really, I was in a lot of pain. Like, I want to hit him. I like, yeah, you're like, <laughs> like dude, right what the hell are you talking about? I'm in like, pain. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, it's gotten a little bit better though in the last few days, and that's because I've really tried to stay on top of it on the med. You know, on the meds. You know, and, I mean, there's so much talk about uh, you know opiates and oh yeah, you know, yeah. everyone's that's really all you can do for it though. Everyone's going to be addicted to opiates, you know, because of all this. But I mean, my doctor's like. He goes, you just had your, it hasn't even been two weeks since you've had your, your leg amputated. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's okay. like, take the medicine. Yeah. Goes, yeah. I've been on Vicodin for like a month before after a root canal. Yeah. And I just really? stopped taking it. It's, I don't know. I don't get what the big deal is. I can't take it. It makes me sick. A lot of it makes it, me throw up. Well, yeah, because you already have vertigo and it, it, it kind of yeah. messes uh, with Yeah, I don't like, I only had yeah. to take it for my wisdom teeth and I took it once and I was like, no. Yeah, it messes with your equilibrium, which yeah. you already have vertigo. Which right. knows, listening at home, the face that she made with that was very It was. Yeah, she didn't was. like it. It was. That was I did not. I wonder, though, if a neurologist can do something with the nerves. Because what they've been able to do with RFNs, you know, yep. or to shirt, turn off nerves, I wonder if they can, if, if anybody's looking at possibilities on trying to shut down you know the nerves beyond just the what's being done with amputations there are techniques they're Mm -hmm. weird like if you put like say you get your right hand amputated what you do is you put your left hand in this mirror box which makes it look like you have a right hand okay yeah yeah. and then they'll like you know touch your left hand and then it'll be like you'll think that your right hand's being touched and then your brain's like oh okay it's all right then and then it's i tried that the other night my daughter and i were i was laying on the floor and um i courtney uh brought me a mirror that was her present to me she goes she's like try it good luck um and i and i sat the mirror up 
and so I, my right leg was mirrored where my left leg was, mm-hmm. and I was I was trying, you know, and it looks like it's there, which is really yeah, trippy, you- weird yeah. too. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm rubbing my knee, and oh, weird. I mean, it didn't. I only tried it once, so it's, yeah, it's, it's not something that work, it's but... something that's. I think you have to do, and you've got to do it for a while. It doesn't just happen. I wonder if hypnosis yeah. would help. Well, it's technically all really just in your mind. Yeah, exactly. Well, it Which starts... doesn't mean you. I mean, it doesn't mean it's easy to fix. Right. But yeah. it technically does mean if you can trick your brain into stop misbehaving. Well, because I mean, like there are stop. you know monks that can do these like horrible, painful yeah, where exactly. most people would like die. They'd be in so much pain, right. and they're like, "Oh, feel anything?" Because I'm so your zen. Brain, if it's you can cool. convince your brain that it's not real, then it'll yeah. stop. I feel like Tony Robbins yeah. might be able to help too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Isn't he like walking across coals and all that yeah. crap all the time? Does he still do that? Oh yeah, he's all about the show. <laughs> he still does that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Isn't he like? Yeah, old. He's got to be. Yeah. I wonder. No, he's only fifty-seven. No, he's, really? yeah, he's, totally he's got a giant head too. He's, that's a, like, yeah. he's got a giant he's a head. Really? What is his voice? He's is like that, is that a real <laughs> voice? Yeah. 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 He must have made it to the spotlight pretty early. Then. He must have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have thought he's at least seventy. But Dan's no. read a few of his books. Really? Well, he's yeah, got some pot. Yeah, he definitely has. Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I wonder if Phantom. He had a pituitary tumor when he was in high school. Oh, there you oh. go. So he grew you know, more than it. he should have. Oh. Voice, voice I was like, like he's that. like giant. Yeah, he's gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. Hence, yeah, hence the size and voice. Okay. Huh, that makes sense. I wonder if phantom pain is worse for people. Like, you had pain in your foot before you lost your foot. Yeah, right. I was Whereas, like, ask. Courtney just, like, had her leg kind of well, need like, to be cut true, off. So true. she didn't have, And I, and I like, did have, it's weird, um, by the way, like, uh, on... I didn't really I wasn't necessarily going to like put all this out there for the world. I was just mm-hmm. going to like disappear from Channel 5 and you know go sit at home and no and be, there'll be none of that. Well, you know, it's a social media world that we live in and yeah. I you know, I started posting some stuff about it and my god, I can't believe how many people I've heard from about it. It's unbelievable. Um, but one of the people that I heard from was talking about, and it was the day before the surgery, and she says, she said, take your pain medicine the day before your surgery. Don't have any pain when you're going in um, mm-hmm. because that, that'll that be the last thing that yeah. you feel. Like you connect with having oh, a foot. Yes. Yeah. And and in her experience, and she lost her foot, and her mm. experience was that then when you woke up and the foot was gone, that that wouldn't be the sensation that you would have that you know the pain sensation which is insane yeah well the difference between an amputation and something like what happened to courtney is in your case from your brain's point of view since like the you know brain stem portion of your brain isn't intelligent really it just kind of controls things right so from its point of view one day the leg was there or well the foot and then you know the next it was just gone so it didn't really understand what was going on. Whereas with Courtney's, I think there was so much damage that the brain knew yeah. that it's time to shut off that part of the mm-hmm. body. Because it's yeah. like you can't come back from that. Yeah, that's true. There is dealing with long-term trauma for a long time. Because part of the confusion with the brain is they've been used to the ongoing problem. Right. Yeah. You've yeah. had a lot that of too. problems over mm-hmm. time. Right. And so you'll have people who have pain for a long, long time. And then suddenly it's gone and the body goes, wait, what the hell? Right. Yeah. You know, where you're right, somebody's completely healthy bang mm-hmm. and you can have a difference there yeah it's like oh my so, foot's destroyed i guess i'll punch stuff. your friend or yeah. courtney more for not having that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's I just, funny i just can't believe how many people 
lose limbs in boating accidents. I know. Like you never. Yeah. My mom has a friend who's double yep. whole leg amputee because of a boating accident. Yeah, it's like like both sh- of her legs are gone because of a boat. I'm like never put go a on shield boats on the ever. rotor. How about I just don't, don't go anywhere near boats ever. Just the rotor. I, mean, I feel. Like I mean, I feel so. Yeah. And, yeah. I feel so. You know, I feel so bad for her because she didn't. You know, she woke up. Yeah. And and you know, she well, actually, she today, was she was awake. She was awake through the whole thing. Oh, she was. Yeah, and mm. her sister's a nurse or uh, in the medical field, and happened to be on the boat with them, wow. and like helped and got her to the hospital right away. And I, I guess I I don't you know my situation like I made the decision like mm-hmm. I was over it from a mental standpoint. Yeah, like mm. you were like ready. I woke up, it was gone. And I was like for a second, I was like, holy crap, it's gone. And then yeah, I was it's like, gonna be weird no matter. And what. then I was like, all right. Let's move on. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And that's you had time to way. like mourn the loss. Yeah. 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 Little, yeah. yeah. Well, and it also was like getting rid of something that has been crappy for a long time. Absolutely. It's like, yeah, I'm, I don't have to deal with this anymore. Right. Yeah. Whereas with her, it's like, well, this, you don't really have a choice. Right. Yeah. It didn't have to like, be like this. Yeah. And I can see how she would look at it like have you that. Yeah. John Crease a little. No, but I'm going to hope to Phenomenal. hook up with him because every time, Phenomenal. every time I hear him and I, you know, I follow him on Twitter and stuff. Yep. And, he seems like a super great dude. Great and guy. Obviously, with the exp- he's a he's a, above knee on yes. both of his legs, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to hook up with him and talk to him Good. about. When you hook up with him, tell him to run for governor, will you? Well, he's not, not going, going to. But what? He's not going. He's to, not going that's to. That's what no. he keeps saying. So. I don't know why not. He'd be a great governor. Well, I can't run anyway. He's he a lot of things that would be yeah, good. Yeah, he can't run anyway. That's the way to go. Way to go. Way to go, Alex. It was Get Andy that brought it up. Yeah, I just, yeah, I said That's it when funny. everyone else was talking. <laughs> John Creasel, the name is familiar. I know. Yeah. Who is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have yeah. that. I recognize Was he in a rock war vet? Or was yeah. it Afghanistan? I think, oh, yeah. I think he stepped early? on a uh, mine. No, he, I think he was in a... He was in a tank. He was yeah. in a tank that got shot with a <clears throat> missile, I believe. I had a panic attack when he was on our show. Why? It oh. was like... I, yeah, because he was saying these stories about. Oh yeah, going through that. Stuff. Hang, heads were hanging from trees and blah blah blah, and he was going <laughs> through. And I was like, I had to walk out, and I was like, I'm having a panic attack because this is just like. I've heard his, crazy. his story is. Oh, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, people, could yeah, not people breathe. Get, people like, were like blown in half, and he's like, Oh well, I guess my legs. That's not so bad. Yeah, he was yeah. like, Well, I saw some really horrible things that he was like, going down this list, and I was like, Well, I um, yeah. I can't breathe, and my heart's gonna explode. So I'm going to head out. Well, now be, imagine being 16 years old. You sign up for the military. You go see those things firsthand when you're still a child. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that's no. why so many people were alcoholics. <laughs> oh, well, that kind of wraps it up. Uh, and Thank you and good night. Segment, but, uh, you know, uh, that's why everyone's a booze hound. That's kind of true. War, yeah. War does that. that. All right. We're going to talk to Chris more about what what's next. When are we getting back on the air? What are we doing? Be right back, Tom Bernardcha. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry, This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. 
Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. Well, how do you spell it? He was discovered it? in a men's room. V-A-L-E. Was he handing out towels or was he, ah, he, was, he was, was George uh, Michael? Cleaning and singing at the same time. <laughs> cleaning and singing. Cleaning and singing. Yeah, there it is. He was born Gennaro Vitalino. Gennaro Vitalino. Jerry Vale. Gennaro wow. Vitaliano. Yeah. Wow. Gennaro Vitaliano. Gennaro. Can't Vitaliano. get a lot, Can't get much more. It, had, it has Italian in the name. Gennaro Vitaliano? Yes. Vitaliano. Jerry Vale. Jerry Vale. Yeah. I'm just not... Well, true story. John Castino, rookie of the year when he came Clams. in. Playing with the Twins, right? Phenomenal baseball player. Johnny Castino, I'm talking... And he was totally serious about this. He said, yeah, it was, it was kind of a tough deal when my, my family came here from Italy because we had to change the family name. And I said, what? He goes, well, we didn't want anybody to know that we were Italian. And I said, well... What was your name? It was Castagnino. I said, so you cut the G out and you went to Castino? Yeah, because that sounds so German. Yeah. Well, honestly, Castagnino, if you put the Enye in there, you could say you're from Spain. Castagnino, right? it sounds Spanish. And he could be Spanish. Whereas Castino is just Italian. That's Italian as it gets. Well, I told you, that's what happened to my family. The R and the I got cut off. When they yeah, you're Molinari. Yeah. yeah. Molinari came, became Molino. But I love, Molina. Molina. I love Molinari Molina. sauce. Molina, <laughs> Molina doesn't sound Sicilian at all. No. Nope, not at all. Nothing Good about it Sicilian God. at all. They have so their own buca over there, the Molinari Sambuca. They do? Sambuca. Molinari Sambuca. Mm. Yep. I grew up with a kid named Barry Molinaro. So Molinari Molinaro, what's the difference? I don't Plural know enough about singular? Italian, yeah. Who knows? Plural <laughs> or singular, I don't know what the situation is. Um, we were talking about what... What's in the future? What, so when are you going to get get off your ass and get back to work? Uh, I'd like to be back by the Super Bowl. Oh, that'd be good. But that'd be good. We're going to be. They're going to have us out, out like um, Megan and I, my um, co-anchor in the morning, Megan sure. Newquist. I yeah. think they're going to have us out. They want us to be out like live along the Super Bowl Plaza or whatever that thing is, is that, that they possible? set up along. When it's Nicolet. thirty below. Well, there's that. Uh, I joked with her. Well, at least only one of my feet will get cold now. Um, yeah, I still don't want to go stand out there. No, because I won't have a real leg by then. So I'm not really oh, sure. Okay, yeah. I'm not really sure. A real leg. I'll never have a real leg. Well, but I won't have my uh, prosthesis well, you never by then. Know. So I'm not Let's, stem cells. That's true. Maybe okay, we could, you'll never maybe know. We could grow one. People in 30 years are going to be like, "Can you imagine they didn't have prosthetics that you could move around and feel through?" And it's, it's like. Right? But, That's true. Yeah, what about 3D true. printing? Can they just print them a leg? Uh, well, I mean, it could. if, if you mean like a happen. real leg, then I don't think that's really the right technology to go with. Yeah, I suppose not. I'd go yeah, with gr- I'd go with growing it over a mesh or something like that. Yeah, that would seems make to be sense. worse. Yeah. By the way, Molinari is someone who owns a mill, which Molinari? is a which is a Molino. Oh, so it, it's like a, mol- so, a Molinari. Molina from Molino. Yeah, it's a Miller. 
Yeah. Well, a Molina, a Molina would be the female form of the word mill. Oh, okay. So it means so it means mill. So it just means he's that a Mike lady is kind mill. Of, he's got a lady yep. mill. But, <laughs> but a Molinari is a mill worker. See. And what's the what's the other one you said? Mola something. Molinaro. Molinaro. Molinari. Well, Molinaro. Well, let's see. Because Molino, Molino is the mill. <laughs> so what's okay. a Molinaro? We've lost our minds here. <laughs> Molinaro is the same thing as Molinari, just different different uh, verb Tense. ending. Or not, vowel, that's it. Huh. Vowel ending, that's it. Yep. So, so they both mean mill worker. Nice. Ta-da. I told you some story about my brother at the airport. You said there's a lot of reactions to your like. Yes. What kind of things do you get happen? Well, it's funny because when I was just hurt, like I had my ankle, I had eight surgeries prior to all, or nine surgeries prior to the actual amputation. Um, I would sometimes have to go to the store and have to ride around in the little mm-hmm. the little shopper cart oh, yeah. thing. Oh, that couldn't have been and good. Dude, people look you up oh. and down. Yeah, like you're perfectly capable, <laughs> All sir. the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And you get people like, yeah. yeah, yeah, here we go. Mm, yeah, I guess somebody can't walk today, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the, the state fair was the worst, though, because oh, I yeah. it had just had a surgery during the fair. So they had to get me one of those little uh, rascal scooter things sure. during the fair. And, oh, my God, everyone at the fair, like, they'd see you, you know, appear, you know, seemingly able-bodied man, and yeah. I'm dressed up because we're getting ready to go out there and do the newscast. Right. So I've got, like, my fancy man at the fair outfit on, and, oh, my God, the, the like, looks. People would just be like – and the people in the other – the people in the, in the other – the rascals or whatever – they were the worst. Really? Like they would give you, you the most judgy one. looks. Like, what do you got going on? Because you don't deserve it. Now, though, that the leg's gone hmm. uh, and I'm out and about, now I just get the little kids just kind of looking like, I you know. know like, How many of those people weighed like 450 pounds? <laughs> I was going to say, I give, I give those people dirty looks. Yeah. I'm like, if you're too fat to walk, you I, you get a dirty look. You're like, come on, it's, it's the fair. But, I mean, people are brutal, man. They're like yeah. giving you the dirty look. And you're like, <laughs> like, I really can't. Like, I legitimately can't walk. And the parking, parking's, handicap parking is the same thing. When you get into a handicap parking spot, when I didn't ha- when I still had my leg, but I was – you know, using crutches or whatever right. means oh, I was yeah. using to get around. Um, you know, the people just give you like the worst scowl. Like, why, why do people why are always you parking there? Why do people always want to imagine the worst? It's I know. not that you need it. It's like I'm just going to come with the understanding that you're a piece of crap. <laughs> well, they did love you that. did you have right. handicap plates? I don't have plates, but I've got the, the placard. Okay, so which as really, long as you have that. Which really wasn't a very good sign when earlier in the summer when I was having my first surgery that kind of started all this, the doctor gave me the handicap plates or the handicap placard until 2029. 20, oh, wow. <laughs> like, I don't see a good future for you. That's a positive outcome. Yeah. yeah. If I ever heard one. So will you get plates now? No. You'll just keep the placard? I don't want to get well, plates. I don't no. think you no technically plates. need the plates. You don't need them. You just need, no. you need either well, the placard when or I the, get the leg, I'm not gonna park. When I get the leg, I'm not yeah, going to park okay. handicapped anymore. Yeah. That's how I have we, have... we have a cousin who had a brain injury mm-hmm. from a yep. car accident. And he's like... He could 
certainly park and handicap parking. He's never wanted to. He's like, no, I won't do that. I'm going to walk. What show was that where they stole the leg? Uh, I'm trying to think. There was a show within the last year and a half where they stole the the gal's leg. She had the she had she was a drug dealer, and the guy stole her leg. My name is Earl. My name is Earl. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 They also they also did that on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first Guardians. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I just wanted to be funny. The the, uh, raccoon raccoon. talked (laughs) to Chris Pratt character into taking the guy's leg. I just wanted to really nice. (laughs) What do you need the leg for? I just wanted to see you do it. I got to come up with a better story. I got to come up with a story, though. Like, yeah, you have to come story. up with like, like I've 10 come different up. stories. I would never come up with a story that like I was in, in, Iraq in or combat something. or anything. No, 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 no. Ever no, no, in a million no. years. But I knew I do need to come up with something you know, much more exciting. Just say the raccoon took it. Yeah. The raccoon <laughs> took it. You can tell a kid anything and they'll yeah. believe it. You know? I was outside and there was this giant raccoon and we looked at each other and it just pounced. And... <laughs> I shook and shook and shook, and the little bastard got me. I think it's very, very good for people listening, particularly people who may be going through something similar to your situation, because you don't feel sorry for yourself. You're not going, oh, uh, this sucks. Or You have a very positive attitude about it. You're moving forward with it. I think things like this really, really help other people. They really uh, do. I have been flabbergasted at the amount of people who've gone onto my Facebook page and... <laughs> who have left messages, who've said, I actually talked to a guy this morning who is in North Carolina, uh, and he called me. He's 49. He's been dealing with, he had a, he's had a bone infection for like the last five years Yikes. and can't shake it, can't shake it, can't shake it. And he's going to do a, they're going to do a scan, which basically they check to see where the white blood cells are going. Mm-hmm. And if they congregate in a certain place, then that shows you know, specifically where the infection is. Mm -hmm. And he says, um, he goes, I'm leaning toward amputation. And somehow he saw my stupid, silly little Facebook page and saw it and was like, he felt inspired that this was the right choice because, you know, why not just get rid of the problem and and move forward with it? And that's, it's kind of the way when I approached my wife about it at first, Mm -hmm. I'm like, honey, if there's a tree and there's a bad branch and it's hanging over the house and the branch is dead, what are we going to do with the branch? She's like, well, I guess we'd cut it off. And I said, right. why, well, it, why so not? You Let, should just what, grab right. the butcher knife and just... <laughs> so my doctor said my, my my wife was asking the doctor something about you know some of the more like the logistics of the surgery and whatnot and and he goes ah you know it takes a couple of hours he goes you know back in a civil war battlefield they could do it in five minutes Hexa, yep. yeah. yeah he said but the mortality rate was about 85 percent so yeah he goes, well that was all from infections yeah. right right they did they couldn't do anything once the infection got in there right well and stopping the blood in right. some well, they have tourniquets. You know? if you're gonna cut the limb off a tourniquet it's like you know well the infection thing is a nasty thing and that was a thing yeah. that i just could yeah. never really get past that's unfortunately. why yeah that's why penicillin was one of the greatest inventions of the right. modern era it saved a lot of people who it's like well it's like um the tallest man in the world uh he was like eight foot something he was eight foot four I you think, would think yeah. he would have died because of that but no he died because he stubbed his toe got an infection and died yeah, that's right. insane and it's like yeah, yeah today that just sounds like right. silly bob marley died because of an infected toe yeah there you go he did. but, but well, that that's was, because that's he wouldn't take it the rastafarian but, thing. yeah but yeah in the modern era now uh things that were previously seen as 
Yeah, like, unsurvivable yeah, are like, are like minor little yeah. like who even cares now although yeah. these strains of infections are unbelievable right. well yeah. now you're no. getting like you're super bugs are, and ugh. i know i i was reading a story about this girl that took a flight and she had like a little bit of a bump on her cheek or near her eye or something and by the end of the flight it was like the size of a oh, softball oh, and it ended up being like a super bug <laughs> yep. and she's been on i was like Oh my gosh! Like like Not Mercer good. or something? Yeah, because she because she had scraped her face with her fingernail, and then it ended up just That's this it. crazy. Yeah. yeah, because there are so many antibiotics and stuff in like food these days that we're all exposed to so oh, much. Man. Yeah, we have, a, we have a caller for Chris. We have a caller for Chris. Yeah. Oh. We have a caller for Chris. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey, Joe. What's up? Um, not much. Um. <laughs> uh, you're texting a lot, huh? Who, me? Um, yeah. Well, I texted you a lot because when you send me a text, I'm going to respond to the text. But you never did before. I know. And I know. I'm ruined now. You're absolutely Because of you and other people, Not you've ruined my life. Were you, no not a te- were you not a texter? No. I hate any kind of... Yeah, the first text from him was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. I, thought, I, I read it to see if Catherine did it. Was Catherine. <laughs> I, I don't even text him. Joe thought it was fake that Catherine was doing it. Well, because I usually, when he gets a text, he usually gives me his phone. You never text. I never used to. I do now. was doing it. You know what I found out about texting that I didn't know before? Actually, if you enter like BE, it'll put up because, so you can just hit that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just spend all the time spelling, you know, going through all that stuff. Like, yeah, get up there. So it all worked out. It all worked out. We tried to tell you that, but oh. I'm not listening to anyone else's advice. Forget it. <laughs> anyway, um, a couple of years ago, I, I used to work out. Um, I had a trainer, personal trainer, and. That trainer. Are you texting this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say this and don't sound like a dick. Well, that's going to be impossible for you, Joe. Or no, me. Thanks. Or me, for that matter. <laughs> um, the personal trainer I had had only one leg. Okay. And, and was it- I, watched, I watched this dude press. 1,500 pounds. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, this is good. The guy that just deadlifted like 300 oh, pounds yeah. with one leg. Yeah. It, it just happened again about I uh, saw that. a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer is rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care? It's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer. And get Walzer Care 
for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Well, the latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Song. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. What made you play this? I'm just thinking about uh, equal pay. Yeah, show some respect. That's true. I mean, the, the only problem I can see, the only flaw in that whole, the fly in the ointment, as they used to say, is if my perception that I do the same thing you do is inaccurate, then what do you do? Mm-hmm. There should be, like, a job that's... What the... My headphones just, like, made a... Horrible sound. I did hear Snapping that. noise. What the I hell just happened? That. Well, anyway, uh, there should be like a job that's basically like an appraiser that appraises how much a job is worth relative to other jobs. Because people can't appraise their own jobs. They're always going to think they deserve more than they have. And they're always going to think that their coworkers deserve less than they have. So there should be a neutral third party that is uh, capable of saying that with a totally blind, they don't know who's doing the job, they should say, uh, this job is worth this much, this job is worth this much, and then sort it out from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what they're going to have to do in order to get this thing to be equal and fair is do job descriptions on every single job at your company, mm-hmm. and this is how much that job is worth. Exactly. And whether you're a man or a woman, this is how much that job is worth. Yeah, you'll never be able to trust anyone involved no. to tell you how much the job is actually worth. Even the bosses don't really know how much the job is worth because they're not, they're not really... Yeah. Even if they're in charge of salary, they're not uh, specifically trained to know exactly... Uh, what's going on in that job and why it should be worth this and so forth. Which is why um, negotiation is such a huge thing in salary, even though it shouldn't be. Yeah. If you go to your boss and say, hey, give me more money, you have a greater chance of getting more money than if you never do that. Which is stupid, but it's true. Now, the other problem you're going to have here, and I I certainly want to hear from Ralph and, and Mike on this as well, the other, the other problem, let's say we do have equal jobs, that I do this job and you do this job. We have the exact same job. It's been dictated this job is worth, let's say, $50,000 a year, right? But if I can do it much faster than you and much better than you, how do I then break that out? 
right? That's right. Or well, let's say you do it, you do the job much better than I do. You get the job done much more quickly than I do. Why should I be paid as much as you are? Yeah, like who's ever going to admit that someone else does their job better than they do? Right. Yeah, that's never going to happen. And that's why people have a lot of confirmation bias in terms of, you know, I don't make as much as I should. Or what about the productivity piece of it? That's the other mm-hmm. aspect that, you know, that's very important. If you look uh, in medicine, for instance, you know, everybody's paid the same. Everybody's paid the same. So if you're doing uh, insurance-paid medicine, you know, if I cut something mm-hmm. out of somebody and a woman cuts something out of somebody, it's the same, you know, the same CPD codes and everything, you get paid the same. But if the guy doesn't work as much as the woman, the woman's going to get paid more. And if the woman doesn't work as much as the guy, she's not going to get paid as much. So it's, it, that is absolutely productivity-based. And when you do something like that, well, then it's blind to sex. It just has to do with just productivity. And that's how it should be. Yeah, yeah. it definitely should. So, Negotiates like salary negotiations and stuff. It's such a like old way of thinking. Because why should your livelihood depend on how uh, charismatic and good at glad handing you are? Yeah, I say it's dumb. Well, that is a problem. If you're really good at kissing butt and mm-hmm. glad handing and all that stuff, that shouldn't enter into it. This is going to be a tough equation to come up with for jobs all across America. Well, look at Hollywood. Or uh, every one of those super duper high ups. That's making millions and millions of dollars. They've all got their circle of friends, and they all, you know, look out for each other. And it's yeah. all, but yeah, that's true. It's all just, yeah, a big old hug fest up there. Or uh, if, if you know that your boss is a man who's gay, and uh, you know, you're gay, good-looking guy, mm-hmm. and you're wearing uh, the nice, uh, good-looking, mm-hmm. tight clothes around him all the time, and uh, saying, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, I'm available for a date once in a while," you know. When you, when you see that, you, that's another aspect of it. There, there's no reason why that should be rewarded, but it is. Yeah, I guess it's really down to right. you shouldn't uh, – people in general can't be trusted to make rational decisions, so we're going to need unbiased third parties to make those decisions for them because otherwise they're going to make the wrong ones. Well, the problem you have there is that if we do that, the government's going to say, well, we'll be that third party, that's and true. then they we're will. screwed. Yeah, then they'll say, uh, yeah, like post office workers should make more than uh, neurosurgeons. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 this market changed quite a bit. You know, a guy like uh, Dave Moore, one of the greatest news anchors I, I ever saw, he was a news anchor up until the late 80s in the Twin Cities. And he was one of the best I ever saw. He was very, very good at his job. But I don't believe he ever made more than $100,000 a year. Where people in other markets of the same, you know, near the same size, a little bigger, a little smaller, were making more money than he was. It's just bizarre. And then that all changed uh, right around 1990 when a couple of different people in the market got paid uh, like 15 times more than he did. And that reset the standard. But the people that broke through apparently deserve to be paid that much. So how do you decide that? There are so many things, so many parts of the equation you have to put together to get it done. I don't know. Can you even, can you even get it done? You can if business wasn't so notoriously uh, slow to adapt. Well, that's true. But to your point, Andy, about having some sort of an audit, some sort of a way to truly value a, a job, if that was being done, if, if that was possible, truly possible, then I think the CPA firms would offer that as a service. And I, I don't know. They may. But I don't know that they do. I think it's a pretty complex process based on a thousand different things and also what is perceived potential of an individual. So if it's an on-air talent gets paid more than someone who's established, well, they the 
the station says thinks that they may overtake the person that's getting that's much more popular. You know, I, radio mm-hmm. in particular you, that's performance based. You have ratings or don't. There, there you go. That's yeah, it. that's exactly right. Radio, mm-hmm. television, uh, even newspapers. I mean, uh, newspaper sales are, uh, of course, a lot of it is on the internet now. How many people buy a subscription to read your column, and they can tell the most read stories. Obviously, that's very easy to do on the internet. So if your stories are the, are the most read stories on their website, you should be paid more. But I never knew this. Speaking of that, by the way, how unfair the world was just, you know, 25 years ago, that newspapers would take their best writers and syndicate their columns, but the writers didn't get paid any money for it. The really? newspaper did, but you didn't. It's like, what? So you're taking my work and you're selling it and you're making money, but I get none of the money. How did that ever happen? Is that what happened to Charles Schultz? Mm, I don't know. I don't know how that whole cartoon thing works. That I don't know. Um, so, Mike and Ralph, how many how many times have you uh, read uh, Fire and Fury now? You gone through it for like the third time. <laughs> yeah, I'm on my second read. You're on your second read of it, uh, Ralph. How about you? Oh, geez, I, somehow I, it hasn't really made it to my doorstep as yet. You have yet to pick yet. it up there, Ralph? Come on. No, you know, I ordered through the through Amazons, and, uh, you know, maybe they probably just can't keep up. So I, I think that's what the <laughs> Yeah, that's probably what it is. Michael Wolf says he's surprised by the success of his book, Fire and Fury, alleging chaos in the Trump White House and citing aides questioning the president's mental state because, well, I thought we knew this. Appearing on The Late Show, and by the way, I'm reading this off Newser, which is a very left-leaning website, so it's not like I'm trying to pick and choose here. I'm just reading it off whatever... news delivery service that offers it. Appearing on The Late Show on Monday night, Wolf uh, warned host Stephen Colbert that Trump was probably watching. A contact told Wolf the president asked for his media schedule for the day. Wolf, who is a co-founder of Newser. Oh, he's one of the co-founders. This is the site I'm reading is Newser. So Wolf is a co-founder of this very site. Uh, Wolf, who is a co-founder of Newser, then admitted there's nothing really too new in this book. Since the administration's emphasis on the press has prompted leaks, nonetheless, Colbert said the uh, tell-all upset him. As a citizen, I don't want any of it to be true, he said. You should believe all of it, Wolf responded, per the week. That's the alarming thing, that this is all true. Fellow journalists, however, are in doubt, having uncovered errors in Wolf's reporting. Now, this is on his own website there's, or news delivery service that they're saying this. They also accuse him of being excessive, uh, him of excessive dramatization per Newsweek. Asked to present his recordings of interviews from the book, Wolf declined, telling Colbert, I'm in the writing business. He went on to explain that Trump, the Trump White House is full of people lying in their own particular way, so he used his judgment to decide what versions of stories to include. He suggested readers should decide if the book's narrative lines up with what's already known about the Trump White House. But how could you possibly know anything about the Trump White House if that's what you're relying on? That makes no sense. All Wouldn't you agree? All supposition, it sounds like. This whole book is BS. And, and again, ladies and gentlemen, I am on Michael Wolf's own news delivery service. It's called Newser. He was a co-founder. And they're going after him on his own website. So I'm not trying to, you know say that Trump's a great guy or, or whatever, that Michael Wolf. You can tell Michael Wolf, though, and I'll say this again. You could tell that this guy was bullied in school just by the way he comports himself. 
You can just tell he, he was bullied in school, which I certainly am not condoning. But but people now, there is a big payback right now in life. If anyone was mean to you, the whole world has to pay for it, which I don't agree. Uh, the person who did it to you absolutely should pay for it, but not the whole world. Um, in any case, he used his judgment to decide what versions of stories to include. He suggested readers should decide if the book's narrative lines up with what's already known about the Trump White House. At the end of the interview, Colbert asked the author for something administrative officials do well. Uh, administration officials do well, noting people got to go to sleep after this. Wolf's response, they don't do anything well. Nothing. So this is all his own attitude and what he thinks was the truth. Yeah, what he thinks happened. His own opinion. That's his own opinion about what happened. Yeah. DJ, he says so much has said that. Wow. And several people are, are accusing him of writing the book just to make money. No. No. I, no, it's hard to believe. Look, and, and I don't want to make it look like I'm, I'm taking a position here on this. I just don't think... I, I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to do in my life, and, and I, I think other people are as well. I'm trying to figure out why, the, first of all, I understand why the pharmaceutical companies want us to hate each other because we're going to need more medication if we do. I, I just don't understand why we have gotten to the point, I will do anything I can to harm you, whether it's true or not. What is that? Because that's not, you know, that has to be Schadenfreude. That, ha- that had- has to be a situation where I, I want to see you in misery. Um, and, and the only reason I keep bringing Trump into this because he's the target of all of it now. So if it were, you know, Oprah Winfrey four years from now and they were going after her this way, I'd say the same thing. I mean, they've gotten to the point now where when he was singing the national anthem, they were trying to read his lips to see if he knew the words. You have nothing better to do than that. Seriously? That's your whole life right there, huh? You're trying to figure out if he knows the words to the national anthem. It's interesting really? that there's such a uh, an absolute obsession uh, with uh, these two books that have come out, and virtually nothing was said about the book Shattered. About and Hillary. Explain what Shattered is all about. Sh- Shattered is this, oh Hillary Hillary Clinton's book, where the the two liberal uh, they wrote two books. Uh, when she was Secretary of State, they had access to her mm-hmm. and, or, or staff, and they wrote a book that says she was just one of the best statesmen in the whole world and truly did a wonderful mm-hmm. job. They did a second; they, they were given access again during her presidential campaign, and came out with a book that was 180 degrees that said that she was not a good person, a horrible individual, and did not treat people well, and just just tore her a new one. So, really, yeah, but no one talked about that. No one wanted to talk about that because that doesn't fit the narrative. So, the, it, it, so I, it has I, to fit what I believe. Oh, absolutely. It has to fit what I believe or I will ignore it. Uh, oh, I'm going to choose the story, the version of the story that fits my narrative. That's what he said. That's amazing. I mean, that is absolutely amazing that people would do that. And you're taught to think that way. Is it, is it, does our, our college system promote that? That I'm going to teach you how to think and what to believe and you will believe it. Is that what we do in our colleges? I guess they try to coerce yes. people into that through grades. You know, I, I guess that's terrible. I didn't see, I didn't see a lot of that at Arizona State University. Right. I, I'm sorry, there was mm-hmm. some of it, but I just sort of glossed over it. I said, you know, I, I did. did I come from it. such. I come. I came from such a strong uh, blue collar conservative background that it never really affected me. 
Yeah, I understand. We'll be back in a couple of minutes, ladies and gentlemen. Stephanie Arnold will join us promoting the book 37 Seconds. Stephanie Arnold is the mom that predicted her own death and then survived to talk about it. And she's next, Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Tom Bernard here with CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Great to have you here, Michael. Thanks, Tom. Always a pleasure to be with you. One thing we keep talking about is that North American Banking Company is a community bank. Why is that important? Well, two things. First, as a locally owned and operated bank, we move quickly for our customers when it matters most. You're not waiting for a loan decision to come out of state or making the decision right here at your home. Secondly, our customers appreciate the fact that we get to know them and understand their goals. For many of our customers, we're coaches, mentors, and sometimes sounding boards for their ideas. It's hard to get that from a big bank, but it's something we do just because it's Tuesday. Well, that sounds like a great way to do business. All of our employees are working to help meet your business needs. It's how we create loyalty. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard Show, ladies and gentlemen, our special guest, Stephanie Arnold. The book is called 37 Seconds. Stephanie Arnold is the mom that predicted her own death and then survived to talk about it. Pregnant with her second child, Stephanie Arnold began receiving mysterious but strong premonitions that she would die during the delivery. I'm going to stop right there, Stephanie, and tell how, what was this all about? Hi, Tom. Um, thank you for having Hello, me. Hello, Stephanie. Uh, so I, I've had a baby before. I've had a C-section before. So it wasn't the fear of the unknown. I was pregnant with my second child. And around the 20-week ultrasound, I had a positive uh, result of a placenta previa, which is basically a 1 in 200 risk where the placenta grows on top of the cervix, um, which would ultimately, if it never moved, you'd probably have a C-section. But that wasn't what I was afraid of. There was something really uncomfortable and a sinking feeling. And I had told my husband, who's a Ph.D. economist from the University of Chicago, very uh, like a statistician, analytical, very focused. Um, he is, he's saying, let's not jump to conclusions. And I said, I've got a really bad feeling about this. Um, and of course, you go home and you Google things. And I start realizing that 
you know, placenta previa can turn into something a little bit more dangerous, which the placenta marries itself to the uterus, which is called a placenta accreta, something can Kardashian had. Mm-hmm. And then from mm-hmm. that, you can hemorrhage. And from that, it caused maternal and baby mortality. And at that moment, I looked at my husband and something hit me, like the hair on the back of my neck stood up and I said, this is going to happen to me. The only difference is, is that the baby's going to survive. And um, at that moment, I told everybody. I went from doctor to doctor. I said, I'm going to have these organs combined. You're going to need to give me a hysterectomy. I'm going to hemorrhage. I'm ha- these visions are not stopping. The baby's going to be fine, and I'm going to be dead on the operating table. How did you, uh, how did you think this, uh, wh- or why, or <laughs> and how? That's the best way to answer. Uh, why and okay. how did this happen? So the only thing I can kind of equate it to for anybody listening is you have that sinking feeling you're walking down a street you always walk down and your gut tells you you know what today something feels off i'm not going to walk down that street today you might not ever find Mm -hmm. out what was happening on that street but something was sinking in your gut telling you not to walk down that street today that's exactly what i was having the only difference was is i could see everything that was going to happen three months before it happened and, you know, I, I would have a vision of hemorrhaging two months before I delivered, and I'd viscerally feel it having already happened in my body, and I'd race to the emergency room, and the, and the doctors are like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I, I'm hemorrhaging. And the doctor's like, Mrs. Arnold, are you okay? And I'm like, no, obviously I'm bleeding out. And they're like, no, you're quite fine, but maybe you need a little rest. And, um, and so it got my husband worried. I, at one point I spoke to a friend of ours and I said, if I'm going to need a hysterectomy in the middle of an operation of delivering a baby, who does that procedure? And they're like, Stephanie, you're, what you're afraid of happening is a half of a half of a half percent chance of happening. I said, well, entertain me. And he said, a gynecological oncologist is your best bet. So so try to make an appointment with the head of gynonc at Northwestern Memorial Hospital when you don't have reproductive organ cancer and you are just having a vision that you're going to need a hysterectomy. Um, It was not easy. And at the end of the day, he looks at me and he says, Mrs. Arnold, have you been on the Internet? And I said, yes, I have. This is going to happen. Oh, God. And, and he's like, all right, well, let's get an MRI. If the MRI is positive for this accreta, then I'll schedule myself during your mandatory C-section, and then I'll, I'll do the hysterectomy there. And they, the MRI ended up being negative. And so everybody thought, you know, crazy hormonal pregnant woman, including my husband. Right. And, and right. in their defense, all my test results were negative. And at one point, my doctor said, why don't you have a consultation with anesthesia? I'm telling you, it was relentless. It didn't let up. So it was like seeing a freight train about to hit me and everybody else saw a field of flowers. Nobody could see what I could see. So anesthesia said, um, you know, this is what will happen when you recover. And I said, entertain me. If this, this, and this happens, where, what happens? And she was very unsettled with that phone consult. And, um, and she ended up flagging my file and incorporating extra blood in a crash cart in the operating room. So fast forward a few weeks later, I'm realizing nobody's listening to me, completely unbeknownst to me that she flagged my file. Um, I write goodbye letters. I send out goodbye letters. I post on Facebook if anybody has my blood type. I'm O negative, which is a rare blood. Um, you know, please tell me, help me, what have you. And I, I told everybody. So at the end of the day, um, 37 weeks to the day, 36 weeks to the day, I was bleeding on the kitchen floor and 
drove myself to the hospital. Not you the drove yourself? Move. Where was your husband? So my husband was in New York at the time, and I was in Chicago. Oh. And, oh, you know, okay. I, I have a... 18-month-old, two-year-old daughter at the time, and a friend of ours was with us, and I get them in the car, and my friend's like, I'll drive. I said, um, look, I've had many premonitions, but dying in a car wasn't one of them, so get over. Um, so, and <laughs> I, get, I get to the hospital. I, you know, they triage me. I'm, you know, texting to my husband on Skype chat while he's on the plane heading back, and they're like, you know, it's under an emergent situation. Let's go ahead and take the baby while every everybody is quiet in the OR. And I kissed my baby a million times. Goodbye, my daughter. Goodbye. And as I'm being wheeled down to the operating room, I break down crying because I'm. I know this is the last time I'm going to see them. And I tell my my I tell my OB again. I'm like, Julie, there's something wrong. You need to put me under general anesthesia. And she's like, I, you know, I, I'm sure you're just nervous. Jonathan's not here. We're going to take very good care of you. And I was done. You know, I've spoken, you know, in front of anesthesiologists before, and they said, you know, if you were my patient, I wouldn't have done the procedure. And I said, yes, but I was having a baby. This was happening no matter what. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, good point. Good point. So, um, so I go into the OR. They they're getting ready, they operate, they take the baby, healthy, happy baby, and seconds later, I flatline on the operating table. You died? I died. I was clinically dead for 37 <laughs> seconds. And the only oh reason God. I survived is because they that woman flagged my file and incorporated the extra blood in a crash card. I had a very rare 1 in 40,000 risk of an amniotic fluid embolism which is basically when amniotic fluid gets into the um, mother's bloodstream. And if you happen to be allergic to it, your body goes into somewhat of an anaphylactic shock. And in most cases, women don't make it. And the only reason I was able to sustain life was because they had the crash cart and the blood available. Your body normally has 20 units of blood. I was given 60 units of blood and blood product to save my life. So you, it did happen exactly what you thought was going to happen. I mean, you didn't, uh, it did. exactly what you thought so was here, going to happen. So here, I had six very detailed premonitions. The first was, you know, they were going to be putting me under general anesthesia, which they had to after they resuscitated me and they put, they intubated me, they put me under general. I said that my placenta previa was going to turn into an accreta. Well, it turns out after I had my cardiac arrest, lung shut down, I had kidney failure, it was complete Armageddon, I went into full DIC, which is your body's inability to clot blood, I went into full hemorrhage. Um, Then hours later, I was put into a medically induced coma, the the gynecological oncologist I had met with two and a half months before um, was called in seven hours later to perform the hysterectomy because I was still hemorrhaging. He performs the hysterectomy. He does the biopsy on the uterus, and they show that an accreta had started to form. However, it was microscopic and wasn't detectable on the MRI. My God. Why do you think this happened to you? (laughs) Um, You know, I I ask myself this question a lot. One one of the the things, aside from, you know, I I think I don't take it for granted that that I have a second chance of life and that I'm with my family. Mm But I don't say, oh, I was chosen to X, Y, Z, because it would be very disrespectful to the other women who have lost their lives to what I had. Sure. What I believe is that I spent almost 30 years in television producing and telling other people's stories. And I think when this happened, 
um, all of my friends who now became heads of network and, and running television shows and what have you were like, I want you on my show. Um, there was a message to come out that was a very fast-paced way to do it, to explain to people as, patient, as a patient advocate now and also as an advocate for physicians that they need to listen if they sense something, they need to say something. And because my story is so well documented with so much science behind it, that all these stories that you hear about near-death experiences that people kind of chalk up and say, well, you know, that can't be real and what have you, I'm here in part to validate that a lot of it is true and can be extremely well documented if people look a little deeper. Uh, I should mention, by the way, recently featured on the Today Show with Megyn Kelly, her book, 37 Seconds, is a national bestseller, number one Amazon bestseller, library journal bestseller, six awards, as a matter of fact. Stephanie Arnold, as she pointed out, was a TV producer. So it, it's still, I'm still trying to figure out <laughs> what, what triggered the whole thing. The very, so the very first yeah. premonition you had, what, yeah. what do you think triggered that? You know, when the, what I talk about is that I believe that the spirit, at, the spirit and the body are connected, right? And then you can say at some point, if people are going to have a heart attack, maybe, and it's very well documented that people have that foreboding feeling prior to it happening. And, you know, same thing can be said about an embolus or what have you. But no medical nor scientist, nor clinician can tell me how it is I saw everything in great detail months before it happened. So I've been right, on my own journey. Right. I've been on my own journey. And so ultimately what was revealed to me is that the spirit is working on this other dimension and the things I see and continue to see, because by the way, the premonitions keep happening. It's just almost like if Oz, the curtain has been pulled back on Oz and what's always been there is able to be seen. So you think you've always been able to, you've always, have you always, as a little child, did you have premonitions? I've had intuitive thoughts as a child, but when, oh, okay. when, I, yeah. when I see something as a 10-year-old and someone dies a few days later, which, which that person is perfectly healthy, it scares that 10-year-old to think that you are willing it to happen. And so at some point, you shut it down and say, I'm scared of this. I don't want to see this. I don't want to know from it. And so the story mm-hmm. has been really affecting the ground that I've stood on because you compartmentalize that for most of your life and you get to a point now where you can't discount it because it saved your life that I've, I've honestly been on more of a search with physicists and astrophysicists and theoretical physicists just to try and understand quantum physics and entanglement and all of it to just give me sense of it. But when they just give me theories, and MDs say, I can't give you a scientific explanation. I think you need to go spiritual on this. It's been a very difficult journey to get to this point. My husband, the, the economist, will sit there and say, I've just accepted it as fact because I can't. I don't even know who to ask anymore. You know, I, I, my first take on this whole thing is, and I mean this as a, a, a high compliment because it sounds like an insult, but it's not at all because my mother was one of these. I have two sisters, my wife, my daughter. The fact that you're kind of like a tough broad, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. wouldn't. I love that. You, and I, I do mean that as a high compliment. I you're just like, no, no, you're, you're not listening to me. I'm right. going to have a problem here. You need to listen to me. I love that attitude. Thank you. Now, I've had plenty of women come up to me and say, you know, after the third and fourth doctor thought you were, you know, hormonal or whatever, I would have shut up. And I said, right. then you would have stayed, right. stayed dead. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, they would have been dead, but you just you yeah. were convinced that you weren't off your rocker, which turns mm-hmm. out you weren't. But I, I just, yeah. it, very admirable. It's a great story. Like I said, I, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. It's a national bestseller and Amazon, Library Journal bestseller. It's magnificent. It's a great and a very well-told story, by the way. Thank you so much, Tom. But, you know, it's, it, it goes beyond this. I think when, when HarperCollins bought the rights, they, they were definitely, um, I was in therapy at the time, like doing regression therapy and other therapies. And, and part of the story was to try and find an answer because therapists were telling me, let's help you get out of the trauma. And I said, yeah, but I need to know where these premonitions come from. And they said, well, let's not worry about that right now. And I said, you know, I have a hard time with that because what happens if they happen again? Um, I want to be a mom again. I want to be a wife. I want to get back to quote unquote normal. And um, mm-hmm. so I ended up doing regression therapy and under hypnosis. I was on I was on Steve Harvey at one point, and Steve Harvey says, um, "So did you see the light?" And I said, "You know, I don't know, man. They gave me a lot of drugs. I'm like, I, I don't remember." Right? <laughs> so That's not part of it, yeah. right? But I wasn't I wasn't afraid to say there wasn't a light i just want if there was a way to find out i wanted to understand it and so under hypnosis which if you go to the website you can see a little clip of it um it's quite graphic but but i videotaped my therapy call me type a i didn't want anyone to hypnotize me and me running around naked when they said the word dog but um, i said you know under hypnosis um they take you back to those moments of trauma to give you a different perspective on what happens and maybe you'll discover the truth and i said oh, okay i wasn't you know optimistic i've never been hypnotized but under hypnosis you see me go through a seizure and go through this kind of violent attack of what's happening to my body and then i go on to explain what's happening around me what i see where my doctors were standing who hit the button for the code which nurse jumped on my chest to give me cpr what was happening down the hall, where the nurse's break station was, like all these little details um, and what was being revealed to me. And, um, you know, my husband afterwards says, you know, how do you know that's not a recalled episode of Grey's Anatomy on your head? And, oh, there you know, you it, go. It, it's a fair point, right? You know, I, after I was done cursing at him and calling him a lot of names, um, so, <laughs> yeah. I said, so I said, you know, it's a fair point. And I go to my therapist and I say, how do you know what I'm saying is real? And she says, you know, sometimes the only validation we get is that the patient feels better. I said, you know what? That's not good enough for me. I have witnesses. So I took the tapes back. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I just wanted to point out that people can reach out to you at stephaniearnold.net, correct? Yes. 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 Um, Stephaniearnold.net. Yes. And um, so I took the tapes back to the doctors who were present and they had tears in their eyes and they said, how do you know any of this? This isn't anything of medical files. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know where we were standing. And it's one thing as the brain is shutting down or when you have a seizure or what have you that you could hear things, but you most certainly couldn't see. And so um, with all of that information, I had enough information to realize that my quest or my search to understand whether this was science or spirit or a little bit of both um, gave me the conclusion I needed. And so now I'm on this journey to continue to spread the messages and listen to people's most outrageous stories and experiences and validating them and their own premonitions and to take them seriously. The book is called 37 Seconds. It is available everywhere. Again, stephaniearnold.net. Stephanie, thank you so much. Phenomenal story. Thank you so much. And good for you that you're surrounded by women like this or really bad for you. But, you know, my husband Uh always says... 
My husband always says, well, now that you see everything, we don't really have to talk, do you? Because you already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin, is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Special guest today, Mike Beck and Aaron Kahn, the St. Paul Saints. Now, Aaron, I have to tell you something. So, we get home the other day. We uh, don't really have a mic for him. Although we did have a mic set up. I We're going to go cannibalize one from yeah. Bob's studio. Yes. That's the only you want choice. Me to wear this? I can. Yeah, go for the time being. You want me to wear this? So you gave me the schedule, and I brought it home. Yeah. And I said, I talked to Mike and Aaron from the St. Paul Saints. We want to go to a game, see the new field, and be all excited. I said, here's the schedule, honey. So once you pick a couple of dates, and I'll get back to Aaron. We'll get the whole thing set up because the whole family. Alex, you would have a ball over there anyway. I the would. The stadium, by the way, Mr. Vec will tell you who designed the stadium. He would say Julie Snow. Julie Snow, a I'm woman. My voice. <laughs> Women cool. designed the stadium. Uh, the only yeah, ballpark in the nation designed by a woman. Oh, really? And it's won multiple design awards well, from around the country. I'm, I'm not surprised. surprised. So, because I always say, a lot of times when I'm in a car, I'm like, a man definitely designed this car. I, yeah. You can just tell. Because they it's, have no idea what oh, actually needs to be It's beautiful. It has these gorgeous wood touches. Uh, Mike will tell you more about it in a minute when he gets a microphone. <laughs> well, we do have 85 know, people on the show today. And all, it's all working on the end. But it's literally gorgeous. And, you know, I'm the media consultant to the owners of the team. So it's Mike and uh, Bill Murray and Marvin Goldklang. And I don't need to do this a lot of the time, but I sometimes stand by the gate and watch people walk in. Mm-hmm. And Everyone has a smile. Really? Nice. Everyone. Nice. You can't, Michael, tell you that you can't tell where the stadium, the ball, we call it a ballpark, yes. starts and ballpark. The, far, far, uh, the farmer's market ends. Oh. It, it's, it, it flows right into, it, it's her word, Julie's word is porous for the ballpark. Okay. And people just love being there. It's fun. The, ball, the, the, the quality of baseball has improved. And it's a great night. And on game nights, Lower Town is like big city feel. Really? Yeah. I mean, there are new restaurants and bars. It's more hopping than the North Loop. How um, how many more seats are in this one than were in the old one? This is 7,200. That's about 1,000 more than oh, the old park. But, but last year, uh, they were 112% of capacity. So always standing room. 
Jeez. Always. Always. That's amazing. So when we go, you're going to have to stand up the whole game. No, okay. no, no. We'll, fi- <laughs> we'll figure <laughs> that out. Now, did, did, she, did she figure out a way of putting people like in the shade and the hot sun in the afternoon? Mike's getting his head set now, so I'm going to let him answer that. Okay. She didn't miss a beat. All right. She did. It was, and you know, I, I've Thanks, learned Mike, a lot about, about building ballparks now that I never knew. And you put 17 men in a room and they build up. <laughs> I don't know why that big. would be. Jeez, what that's all about. The ballpark is 35 feet down and understatedly elegant. So, oh, look at the big smile. Like, <laughs> like, 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 it was unbelievable. 360 <laughs> degrees around. And she's it's overused. She's a genius. Julie Snow is a genius. Is she local? Yes. Nice. Everything like in the every, everything in the ballpark. Ninety-seven percent of the ballpark um, of CHS Field is indigenous to Minnesota. The only thing we couldn't get in Minnesota is you. Were seats. <laughs> <laughs> seats come from Michigan. Oh, I don't wow. get it. Wow. No. It's a special seat factory in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> it must be that. I mean, I worked for the Tigers for three and a half years. We had a lot of seats we didn't need. I could have imported them <laughs> back in the day. So, Aaron, I give the, the schedule to Catherine. So just circle a couple of days. I don't know why I'm getting thrown in. No, you're not, because this. it turns out that it doesn't matter which days you picked, because okay. they're always sold out 112% <laughs> capacity anyway. It's never sold out. There are always <laughs> good seats available. Step right up. There's always good standing room available. And is this actually Little Red Porquette? The new mascot? Little, Little Red Porkette. Oh, not the prince. I like uh, good. My favorite was Paisley Pork. Paisley oh. <laughs> Pork. I didn't get it. Oh. Paisley Little Pork. Red Porkette. So Catherine gives me back the schedule. She says, okay, here are the two dates. The night before Memorial Day and the 4th of July. I'm like, hey, you know, that might be a little difficult fireworks. to get in there. She's a, a firework fanatic. But we'll figure something out. We'll get in. We'll get in. Those dates work great. Like the I night said, before Memorial Day? Sold out. We It'd were actually like, invited. You Somebody want, else has season tickets. Isn't that a holiday, tickets. the night before? You want to come? W. You just want the night before w. Memorial Clemens Day, when all through the house. Well, the good thing for me, the problem is that, that uh, the only nights I can come are weekend nights or holiday, nights before holidays, because otherwise I can't come because the game started at 7 o'clock or 7.10. Is that when it starts? 7 5. I hopefully won't be able to go the night before Memorial Day. Because yeah. you'll have your baby by then? Hopefully. Why can't you bring the baby? I brought Andy to, <laughs> one week I brought old Andy baby. to athletic, the Oakland Athletics uh, <laughs> ballpark when he was about six months old and he lasted about one out. Did not yeah. like the yeah. cheering. It was rather yeah. loud in there. Yeah, that's. You've got to put the headphones. I could, I'll bring the baby if she's old enough, but like the first. Three, be a week four old. weeks, I'm not going to bring her. Come on, she be yeah. a week old. Oh, <laughs> what the hell? Ridiculous. Actually, they have games through uh, through half September, right? Yeah, so fifth day of oh, September. Oh, you still have got plenty of time. got lots of time. So we get, July? We June, go- July. Because probably, she probably won't remember if you bring her the first week. <laughs> yeah. But I think if you bring her in three months, she'll... Recall yeah, she'll, like, yes, right there. she'll Mom, keep it. I remember when you took me to that Saints game. I met Little Red Porquette. My and first I was, memory. I too was a Little Red Porquette. And you it were. It was great. Now I just think it's a situation. Before the show started, I was talking to Mike Vec about this. I love the Minnesota Twins. I love baseball. Aaron and I were talking about baseball and growing up around baseball on the KQ Morning Show this week, and and I just. What I like about the St. Paul Saints is there is not a political element 
involved. That we know. I of. love that. What's, that we know. What's of. involved with you, the twins? That's political. It's you know, build us a stadium, and we'll spend the money on a good team. And if you build us this, and we need a one point two billion dollar oh. football stadium, it's all of that stuff. It just drives me crazy. There was, no, and by the way, Chris Coleman does a hell of a job, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And I need to point out again, sorry, Chris, but because every time I say Chris Coleman's a friend of mine, he goes, stop telling people you're a friend of mine. <laughs> I've had that. While we were building it, I was in the same boat. Same Don't acquaintance. <laughs> so, I mean, is, okay, I won't tell anybody that, that I even know you, Chris, but uh, I just like, well, and I did all. Uh, and we won't get too involved in this conversation, but I thanked uh, Mike Vec. I said, the people involved over in the the restaurant business over in Lower Town want to thank you because business has just yes. skyrocketed over there. I mean, it's been wonderful for everybody involved in any business in Lower Town. It's been amazing. Yeah. It's such a great. I, I love Lower Town anyway, except for David Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, David does. Uh, David actually, actually, I, I have a golf story about David that uh, you know. Then there are people that like David a lot and people that don't like David. Just like me. I, there are people that feel the same way about For me. For people Some that people. don't live in Minnesota. David Brooks was uh, a big time. Well, actually, when he was on the Olympic hockey team, they won the aluminum that year, so he wasn't that great an athlete. <laughs> but he does still own the record for the most time in the penalty box. He does. He does. He and I think for being annoying. Uh, yeah. For being annoying. That's exactly right. Uh, we're playing golf one time. And this is still a podcast, so I, but St. Paul says, do you mind language at all? Because, you know, it's David Brooks. But if I, you mind language, I can just go, I'll just go with the, the F word. I won't say the, uh, here's the deal. So, I'm Catholic. So I've I heard it too. all. Well, I'm Catholic too. <laughs> I just don't like to live it. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Was that okay. political? No, no, not at all. I grew up Catholic as well. I understand exactly what you're saying. But in any case, we're, uh. This friend of mine down in Florida wanted to play golf with David Brooks because he was a big Herbie Brooks fan, and he was all whipped up about it. We get there, and this guy, it was Mark Brown. Mm -hmm. And Mark uh, is about 6'2", probably weighs about 250. He's a plus-three handicap, phenomenal golfer, right? So he says on the first tee, David, I want you to know that uh, I played hockey at the University of Vermont. As a matter of fact, my roommate at the University of Vermont was the last player your brother cut in 1980. To which David replied, never having met the guy before, David replied, F him if he can't take a job. <laughs> that was his reply. So we're on the 12th hole at Mayaku Golf Course. You hit over water, and then you hit over water again. So he says, that's about a 5-iron. I said, no, it's a 6-iron. He goes, no, I'm telling you it's a 5-iron. I said, I'm telling you it's a 6-iron. I addressed the ball, and just then a bird up in the tree goes, uh-oh. And Brooks, Brooks he says, Ooh, that effing bird seen you play. Uh. <laughs> so that's my yeah, that's my deal with David Brooks. But so he's a wise case, guy. In any case, that you know, we I, we go over to Herbie's and have a cigar once in a while over there, and I I love Lower Town. It's my I love St. Paul and I love Minneapolis, and they are like two different planets. Yeah, they really are. It's just weird. I, I'm one of the rare people that when I was a kid, I used to go to St. Paul from Minneapolis. <clears throat> Nobody ever did that. I have a, well, Tommy Mischke. You know the name Tommy Mischke. Oh, yeah. He's never been to Wyzetta. He's never been to, he doesn't even know where Wyzetta is. I'm like, Tommy, how do you not know how to get to Wyzetta? I don't know. I have no idea what, where that is. He's a St. Paul. No reason guy. to go. And he just didn't have any reason to go. He was my partner. We bought a club in Butte, Montana. Oh, I didn't know that. And Mischke used to work as a bouncer. 
He was a bouncer in Butte, Montana. Was it for for children only? (laughs) Yeah, it was up to the age of 11. Okay, now I I see it. Which is when they start drinking heavily. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh my God. (laughs) And and we were at McGovern's one night, and I woke up the next morning, and we owned the Butte Copper Kings. It was... All there on cocktail napkins. (laughs) And Mishki goes, have you lost your mind? I said, what did we do last night? He said, we bought the Butte Copper Kings. You shook hands. You own it. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) that's really the truth. Because everybody else wanted to see financials. And I knew the guy who ran it. And all he did was sell beer. And he put the beer in his wife's pocket or, you know, the thing you wear apron when you wear it in front though you take money and throw it in like at right. the carnival right. and that's how they lived and so i was willing to buy it without any books i, I knew they wouldn't have any financials i was like we'll right. take it so and mishki went out there he gave me more great information though because he lived in butte for like a year well, i didn't know that yeah he knew all about the catacombs and you know oh, the, the chinese deal. and and the underground it was a fascinating town until until disney decided that we should name them the Angels. The Butte Angels? Yeah, they were the Butte Copper Kings. You know, it was the richest town west of the Mississippi. That's a good name. Isn't that great? So why, how did they have control over that, though? Well, they bought they bought the Angels, and we were a farm club. And oh. so they called me up one day, and the guy goes, we'd like you <laughs> to rename the Copper Kings the Angels. And I said... Do you have wingtips on? And he said, he probably had to check. I could hear him bang his head on the desk as he checked. And, and then he, I said to him, have you ever been to Butte? And he said, no. And I said, well, you go to Butte. Go to the first three bars you walk into. I don't, you pick them. And you tell people you're going to name their beloved Copper Kings the Angels. And if you're still alive on Monday, I'll change the name. <laughs> did you did you change? Did you have to change it? No. Oh, good. I never heard from Mr. Disney again. <laughs> he had bombed it. me and then hung up the phone. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Copper Kings is it's yeah, great. It's, it's a great, great, name. great name. Absolutely. It was wonderful. It was a lot. We had a lot of fun out there. So. Oh, sorry. I was just going to throw in a question. Isn't the evil Knievel, he was from Butte, Montana, wasn't he? Get everybody in the house to drink. Everybody stand up. We'll sing the national anthem, and I'll go out the back so I don't have to pick up the tab. <laughs> <laughs> that evil Knievel. Yeah, that one. That's the one. That's where Evil Knievel came from, Butte, Montana. That's right. Nobody's evil. from Butte, Montana. But the name know. Evil Knievel, because they were in jail together. Oh, we have these two desperados, Evil Knievel and Awful Knoffel. That's a true story. <laughs> a guy named Ru- it was a, what? Uh, what the hell was he? Is it Robert Knievel? Because Robbie, I know, is his son. Robbie's the son. The son. Yeah. But I can't remember Evil Knievel's real first name. I'll Google it now. But Andy will beat me to it, like, it, I guarantee. It was like <laughs> Robert Craig Knievel. So it was Robert Knievel. And then Robbie's his son. Yeah, so he said Robert Knievel and, like, William Knoffel happened to be in jail. And they said, oh, the Desperado's awful. Uh, evil Knievel and awful Knoffel. Oh, evil is Only in Butte, Montana. <laughs> Only evil, in Butte. Evil Bobby. is better than Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because well, Saints kind of listening. That's yeah. my father's name and, and Bob's answer. No, I, mean, so that's I mean, if you're going to be a daredevil. Yeah. yeah. Bob, the daredevil. Bob the daredevil doesn't Bob, work. No, you're right. no. So you were I'm asking to ask a question. It's just, like the Home Depot guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bob the daredevil. <laughs> just slipped and fell in aisle five. <laughs> 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 Holy God. 
change his name to Evil. He could have jumped the store. Exactly. It was Robert Knievel and William Knoffel. Yeah, William Robert Knievel and William Knoffel. Exactly. Yeah. That's funny. That's really funny. Yeah, Knievel yeah, and Knoffel. That sounds, sounds like, like a Laverne and Shirley, the yeah. beginning yeah. of that song. Or the beginning Knievel, of a joke. Knoffel. Or the beginning House of a joke. Incorporated. Knievel, Knievel and Awful Knoffel in jail again. That's hilarious. Your question. I just had a question about the minor leagues. Do they farm from them at all? The big leagues? Do they ever take any of your players away from you? Oh, yeah. We've had, um, as of today, probably 132 or three have gone back to organizations and. 22 have gone to the big leagues. So that's phenomenal. Pretty much one a year ends up in the big leagues and, you know, whatever it is out of the 130. But it's great double-A baseball if um, if you've got a veteran on the mound, if you've got a really, you know, if it's Jack Morris pitching or, or um, you know, Caleb Thielbar will be back this year. So if it's Caleb throwing, you'll see a good triple-A game. Do the big leagues ever recruit 30-year-olds with bad shins? <laughs> Um, <laughs> if they're friends of ours. Wow, you're not 30 yet. I think they well, have. I think that's what we have out there. Well, that's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the twins would probably sign you. Yeah. Yeah, I could run faster, but only once. <laughs> once per game. And those pesky shin splints. Oh, uh, it's my son right there. <laughs> yeah, honest to God, you talk politics or sports, he just gets this blank look on his face. It's hilarious. Couldn't care less about either one. There's yeah, something to be said for that, yeah. Yeah, some peace Keeps of him mind. emotionally stable, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, true. That's, yeah, you know. yeah, that's I, true. I have a question about the stadium, too. The oh, ballpark. You mean the ballpark. The ballpark, sorry. That was my mistake. I ballpark. called it a stadium. It's not a stadium. It's the Twins play in a stadium. It goes up. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, the Vikings yes. is really going to go up. Yeah, really that's really a stadium. Really Noah's Ark, Mesopotamia, mm-hmm. was rediscovered. How did you get that done? It was six and a half years of begging. Okay. And then they decided to do the Viking deal and they threw us a bone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. So it was a. I like to remind Mr. Bagley that we're a rounding error. (laughs) (laughs) A rounding error for the Vikings' new stadium. Yeah. Well, St. Paul hadn't gotten any money for a while for any sports. things. Well, now that Bill McGuire is going to change that, though. Oh, yeah. Where's that going? The soccer. Is it's a is that a stadium? Is it okay to say stadium? That's a yes, stadium. that's yes. a stadium. Because it'll be up. It'll okay. be up. And basketball's <laughs> an arena. I know a lot about soccer Hockey's because I caused a riot in Chicago years <laughs> yes, ago with did. some disco records, and so oh. I got a lot of job offers in soccer because I guess they like riots in soccer. <laughs> yeah. They do. Well, it's not difficult to cause a soccer. <laughs> Remember, I thought you didn't like sports. Oh, well, that's not. That falls under self-defense. Yeah. <laughs> Just places to stay away from. (laughs) (laughs) How many major stadiums does St. Paul have? Stadiums or sports arenas or whatever. Well, there's XL. The XL. Which is a gorgeous place. It is. It's very, very nice. So now are you going to include the Saints in this? Yeah. Okay, so that. And then would it be then? Well, you got. Are you talking about college, too? Are you talking about college, too? Because there are a few of them over there. Well, the, I so, guess. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on the state. Like in Alabama, I would definitely include that. Yeah, yes, that, that, that would be. But Minnesota. Be the, well, yeah, I guess the Gophers are pretty big in Minnesota. They okay. are, but are they? Are those uh, technically in St. Paul or Minneapolis? Those are Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Yeah. So basically, it's almost all Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Andy, you will like yeah. this. Actually, there are, oh, I believe, three high school football stadiums in Texas that cost over sixty-five million dollars. High school? It's, high school. It's insane. What? Wow. 
Well, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys just <laughs> built their new practice facility in Frisco, Texas, and it's doubling as a high school facility. So imagine the Dallas Cowboys practice facility. I've been to their old one. That's yeah. beautiful. So their yeah. new one now is going to also house a high school team in Frisco. So, I mean, it's Texas and football are well, synonymous. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a religion's crease. Mm-hmm. There's no Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. That's right. Friday Night Lights was written by H.G. Bissinger. We called him Buzz. I was his editor at the Pioneer Press I in a, diff- different er- a different era. But he went from the Pioneer Press back when it was a really muscular newspaper with good writers. Uh, when was he, that? Uh, <laughs> we had we had we had three. By the way, we had three times as many Pulitzers as the Star Tribune. That's really? Right. Um, and uh, uh, he went. The guy who wrote Friday Night Lights went to the Philadelphia Inquirer from the Pioneer Press. He won a Pulitzer Prize there, and then he went to writing books. And his first book was um, Friday Night Lights. And God, that yeah. took off. It's terrific. Yeah, it really well, took off. it really was so good. I think mean, the Prey novels did rather well, too. Yeah. That's, that's John Sanford, John Sanford, whose real name is John Camp. John I was Camp. also his editor. Really? Why did he change he was, it yeah. to Sanford? Um, he told me, and I forgot. Is it John oh. Mellencamp, maybe? Who knows? You know, he's kind of a shy guy. And really? so I think he can hide behind ah, that. Right. Yeah. Right. My husband owns every single one of his books. Well, he comes into town at least once a year because he writes a book once a year. Yeah. Right. And uh, I meet him for a beer after he does this, uh, his signing. But uh, your husband's welcome to come. How, how oh, big is like the that. staff for that kind of book? Because you're keeping so many things straight. He doesn't have a staff. He does not no, have a staff. He, like Grisham has a staff, right? Yeah, I mean, no, Grisham's he, got... He does not. He is... He's uh, got people. He's got people. <laughs> he... He, he's, <laughs> Underlings, minions. He does an incredible amount of reporting for these fictional books. Like if he sets it somewhere, he goes there. He takes notes. What's the house look like? He right. goes up the stairs. Mm. Um, but he's just a maniacal writer, a fast writer. Yeah, and prodigious. He, he and I uh, covered the Pope's first visit to the U.S. in 1979. And the two of us were writing stories on these ancient. I'll keep this. I'll distill it. This is a great story. Uh, uh, these uh, no, they're ancient laptops okay. where you put the phone into the into oh. the rubber here. Uh. We're out in the middle of a field <laughs> in outside of Des Moines, and the Pope's there, and he's gorgeous in these great, you know, great uh, cloths, and the the retinue of ca- uh, cardinals are behind him, and it's everything is so beautiful, set against this green grass, rolling hills. And I'm writing my story, and he's writing. This is John Camp, otherwise known as John Sanford, writing his story. And all of a sudden, he gets up. This is Camp, and walks away. And I said, "Where are you going?" He says, "Oh, I'm done." Now I'm a pretty, fa- I'm, a pre- I'm a pretty fast writer. I'm halfway done. And so you can see how, when he went to writing novels, you could see. Mm. Um, how quickly and expertly he could turn out a novel. And that's an unusual talent. Yeah, yeah. And, and I agree it. with your husband. He is, I love those books. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he does too. He, Every he, single... he really is a technician when he builds them. Now, Andy and Alex, you, you have to look at Mr. Khan, Aaron Khan there, because there's a stat you should know okay. about him. Save for a couple of paragraphs. <laughs> Aaron Kahn is the last person to write a positive article about your father 32 years ago. So you're the one. Thank you. Well, you know what is striking to me, and I hope this is okay with you. You look so much like my late father. Not 
Right. You are, uh, are. You look so much like my dad. It's very okay with me. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's kind of it's kind of been. I I, that's why if I'm staring at you, that's why you look. I'm wondering if we're part of the same gene pool. I don't know. There could be. Um, the story. I'll distill this too because I want Mr. Feck to be talking, and uh, uh, he's got I, all kinds of time. Plus, yeah. we have questions. And we have um, a question. yeah, I was on. I was a writer at the Pioneer Press, a much bigger paper than. And all of a sudden, I've been hearing this throaty voice and all kinds of commercials all over the country. And I'm thinking, that's Tom Bernard. And he was one of the first big, throaty, you got to buy this new, you know. Sounds like you, honey. Like a monster. You got to buy this machine gun. All of a sudden, he was influenced by the mob. He was major. He was major. So I wrote this big story about him. And uh, that went on for a lot of years. Your success went on for a yeah, lot of years. And people years, started yeah. copying you. Yeah, there are a couple of guys who could do a really good They were good practicing impression. in front of a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to get yeah. the sound just right? Yeah, yeah. That, that mirror sure helps with the sound. Yeah. The sound well, mirror. that shows you how much I know about your business. <laughs> I do have, I got one question for Michelle. This is, I never understood this, but she just referred to her late father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just interesting group erudite why do we refer to dead people as late is there a reason because they're not showing up (laughs) (laughs) exactly my point like my old man isn't late he ain't gonna make it and if he could it'd be another tasteless promotion but it's your best line ever it's your best line ever we sit around all day long and go hmm He's still not. He's still not here. Not I don't not know. Coming. That's got to be you know somewhere back yeah. in our anthology of liter. You know, yeah. some literary term. I don't know. But how else would you describe him? You you know, if you say my dead dad. Yeah, how about said. dead? It's my not. It's dad. past. It's like I they're did, a kidney stone. Departed. Hey, he <laughs> passed. <laughs> passed. Yeah. Well, you know, before he passed. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't. That I mean, does, you know. I just always I hear people say, "I'm like." I know. There's what? a lot of words like. I that. I always I'm say like. My grandma, who has since died. Has since died. Or I'll say my father, rest his soul. Yeah, rest his soul. I like to say my dead dad because that stops conversation. People (laughs) are like, gee, I'm really sorry. You don't have to be that sorry. It was 34 Uh, years ago. I do have to take a break here. And and we do have a caller with some questions for Mike Veck and Aaron Kahn, I'm sure. But Catherine... Got to witness me being sad this week because I got to. Michael, you yes, you never. Did. Why were you because sad? Because the last episode of Big Bang Theory, the season-ending episode of Big Bang Theory, season or series, season, season. season. they're back. Okay. They're never they're going to stop. They're never going to stop doing wow. that show. Those guys are working on exactly what my father was working on when he died. What's that? A guidance system. Like a perpetual motion. A perpetual motion guidance system. My father was working on that when he died. So finally, sure. all these like 35 years later or whatever it is, now it's on TV. It's still not possible. His dad invented a lot of like weird things. He was like a My father, tinkerer. very quick. You knew this about my father. When he was four years old, he took a kite, tied a camera to it with an alarm clock, wound the alarm clock, tied a string to the little winder in the back, and then the shutter of the camera, sent the kite up and took a picture of it. Took himself. a selfie. Because he set the, the alarm went off and the winder went around, pulled the string, and it 
then pulled the shutter and took a picture of himself. Wow. My father was a genius. Well, that, that, that might disguise. be why he was depressed. That well, might be why he was schizophrenic, because that does happen that with, does with, happen with brilliant with genius men. People. There's no doubt about yeah, why, it. Why are you laughing so hard? Because <laughs> my, my great-grandfather invented the vacuum tube. He actually invented yeah. the radio. He was right. Lee DeForest. Right. And yep. like a typical vec, they took the idea, gave him a lot of beer, and told him he was chairman of the board of a worthless company. And he was schizophrenic, and he was a perpetual motion machine. He died reaching for that last bottle of beer. Uh-huh. <laughs> I invented the vacuum tube, but I could do a Schlitz commercial, too. <laughs> See, I knew there was some reason we got along so well. Same bullshit, man. It's the same, same thing. It's the same bullshit. I pointed out this morning, guy asked me, when, when, did I, when did you first start making more money than your father? And I said, when I got a paper route. <laughs> it was a fact. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.